Let's have a sincere conversation about events across the nation and topics for our own morality. Let's openly discuss in an environment of trust where perception is reality. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Perception is Reality. It is your ever faithful host, David. And today I'm enjoyed. Uh, I'm enjoyed. That's a, such a stupid word. I'm not editing that <laughs> out because we are not an editing podcast, but I am um, gleefully welcoming to the show today, Nick Castros. Well, How are you doing today? Thank you. Thank you for having me. Doing well. So just so everybody knows, I, I, I like to, full disclosure, I don't know Nick. We just had a brief 17-minute uh, discussion in the green room um, just so I could tell him how the podcast works and stuff. And of course, uh, you're all faithful listeners. You know that I don't stick to the topic at hand. So we also went off track, which is why I went 18 minutes. Um, but little tidbit of information. So when Nick emailed me, his last name is Castros, which has the word Astros in it. So being the faithful Houston Houstonian that I am, I just saw the word Astros and I was like, hey, dude, I'm in Houston. Woo. And he was like, um, but I think you thought that I was just <laughs> like, we were like brethren because you thought I was like responding to the Greekness of it all. I thought you, exactly, exactly right. I thought you were making reference to your own last name being Greek. And then when I was listening to some of your podcasts, uh, your last name came up and I was like, wait a second. Yeah. And then it got me thinking today. So that was so funny. Yep. So uh, I obviously went into Houston Pride and uh, you, uh, dare I say, went into Greek Pride. You're like, great, Greek. And I was like, yay, Astros. <laughs> um, but still, we, we still can have a lot in common. We get cut up with our cross pride there. Yeah, that's fine. Um, at the end of the day, we're both happy about it. And, you know, that's the perception is reality. That just that proves the point right there. I perceived Astros. You perceived Greek. But yet. I think we're it just close to the point that we're looking for a connection and we, we both found it. In exactly. <laughs> we were, exactly. And even though we both perceived different things, miraculously, we can still have an awesome discussion. Yes. Very Which, excited to, to be on. So I'm going to just tell everybody how we know each other. So you posted something, you run an Instagram and probably other things, but I'm just going to say what yes. I know about you. Uh, and then you can fill me in in a second. But you run an Instagram account called OD Movement, which stands for Open Discussion Movement. So if I remember correctly, you must have posted something that was either very stoic because I'm a stoic. Um, well, I'm not, but I, I like stoicism. Um, or, mm -hmm. you, or you did something about uh, perception or perception is reality. And I probably responded. And then I was like, hey, um, how can I get this guy in my show? And here we are. So, yeah, that sums it up. Um, I do like to know as little as possible about guests, but I do know that your Instagram account, um, I, I know the bio. I haven't read any other posts other than what I probably liked, and I can't even remember what I liked. That was like so last week, um, which it literally was last week. <laughs> uh, but uh, I know the open discussion movement, you talk about having open dialogues to remove the stigma for drug and alcohol addiction. That's right. Yes. Okay. So uh, that's. So that, okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. 
No, I was just going to say, yeah, open discussion. It's about uh, changing the dialogue around addiction, reassessing the problem of drugs in society, and uh, providing aid to people who are struggling with addiction. Well, that is very, uh, that's actually a very nice and noble cause. Uh, and I do mean that because we do have, we have an addiction problem in the United States. We really do. Um, mm -hmm. I have so many thoughts already swirling. So let me just ask you, I'm, I'm, is that what we're talking about? Because I think I warned you in the green oh, room. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. Because I never know what people are going to come up with. And like, when I think a guy, I know a guest beforehand, like, they're like, let's talk about cowboy boots, like Jeremiah did. And I was like, hey, <laughs> cowboy boots, how am I going to talk about cowboy boots for an hour? Okay, but I did. And actually, I want an hour and a half. So um, yeah, I'm looking anyway. forward to listening to that one. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a really good one. Um, Jeremiah is awesome. So we are going to have that discussion, which is good. I've been wanting to talk about that because I have so many thoughts and preconceptions about, um, so if you, you've listened to a few episodes, so you know that sometimes I, I have tinfoil hat moments. Um, and my, this is one of those. So I'm just going to jump in with some, some I'm going to jump in with some perceptions that I have about addiction based on my consumption of media. And yes. I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'll be accurate with everybody's, but at least we can talk about mine and then you can help me through it. But I really feel that um, addiction, that corporations, because I think there's a couple different kinds of addiction. We're focusing in on um, maybe drug and alcohol abuse. Uh, yeah, substance abuse. Substance abuse, uh, which I feel that I have an addiction to sugar, um, which is another kind of addiction, but still an addiction in and of itself. Um, mm -hmm. Self-diagnosed, of course, because I'm sure. I'm not a doctor, but I do play one on podcasts. Um, <laughs> just kidding, I don't. Uh, but my, and I've also, I've recently read an article where one corporation pleaded guilty and had to pay a $250 million fine because they were bribing doctors to prescribe Oxycontin. Yep, that was uh, Purdue Pharmaceutical. Yeah, so... I mean, maybe it's not a tinfoil hat moment. Nick, what do you think? Am I, do I need my tinfoil hat on or not? No, I think that you're on point. Um, you know, there's a growing problem with addiction in society. Um, and we've seen a lot of this come out of the 90s, with, which you perfectly mentioned it, with Purdue Pharmaceutical when they came out with Oxycontin in 1996. They, prior to that, uh, opioids were only given to terminally ill patients who weren't expected to live much longer. And there was a, a change in perception in the 96 because Purdue Pharmaceutical came out with Oxycontin, which was a long lasting opiate that they then began to market towards chronic pain, which up until that point, opiates had never been given out for chronic pain. What were they giving for chronic pain back then? Tylenol. Really? Just like, uh, just normal yeah. analgesics like Tylenol, ibuprofen, yeah. like um, acetaminophen and, and ibuprofen, um, cause we're mm -hmm. going to say Tylenol. We may as well just say Advil. I mean, just to, so no, right. All, all those, you know, cause I don't want the, I don't want the brand to get mad at me, but you know, brand, Hey, you should Tylenol, but you didn't say Advil. Cause obviously all of the corporate CEOs listen to me religiously. <laughs> <laughs> we'll say acetaminophen and we'll, we'll leave it at the chemical compound. Right. Does that? Exactly. Um, but 
and everybody knows this that's a loyal listener but if you're a new time listener i don't accept any advertisements i don't do advertisements any advertisements you hear from my guests are to benefit my guests not me um, if you are listening to my podcast on some platform uh, and there was an advertisement that's not me i use anchor to host anchor submits it to nine thousand platforms i'm exaggerating i think it's like 10. So I know some of them may answer it, but that's nothing to do with me. That doesn't flow through Anchor back to me. Um, this is a this is a a, a free podcast. So um, if any of those CEOs do want to listen and they're like, "Hey, thanks for mentioning brand placement," take the money and donate it towards any cause that Nick is willing to mention. Um, to help. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. So walk us through the change. So you said that there was a change because this company who you said the name like three times and I still can't remember it, but per, um, Purdue, like the chicken. Yes. Okay. So uh, different companies, right? Cause I don't want the chicken people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, di different, just like the chicken company, but different. It's okay. a pharmaceutical company uh, on the East coast. And prior to that, we adopted um, pain as a fifth vital sign. So there was this real climate change starting in the 1980s where they, they were trying to make patients more comfortable mm -hmm. and out of that they began to Purdue came along with with Oxycontin like you had mentioned and uh and they started basically marketing it like, like you would market anything um to doctors to prescribe to uh chronic patients with chronic pain and that's where a lot of this stuff, at least in my opinion, I'm no professional, but that's where a lot of this stuff stems from. You saw the number of uh, um, oxycodone, which is the active active chemical in oxycotton, mm -hmm. prescriptions go up over 400% from 1996 until 2001, I believe is the year. So you mm -hmm. saw this huge spike, yeah, that's when, when they started doing that. Because, I mean, I never really thought about it, but in my medicine cabinet right now, I think I have hydrocodone um, mm -hmm. that was prescribed for either I, because I had my root canal and like I had major complications about a root canal. So if anybody listening, if you're a dentist, hygienist uh, or whatever, or if you're just a person that just wants to talk about dental stuff, I'd be willing to talk about that root canal for an hour. It sucked. And quite frankly, it still hurts. <laughs> Um, I'm not even kidding. It still hurts. A tooth that shouldn't have any feeling in it that's been root canaled three times still hurts. But I digress. We're talking about... Uh, that's codeine. crazy. So I have hydrocodone and I refuse to take it. When I, when I get prescribed by that, I don't even want them to 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 fill it. And, and I will say that like the pain got so bad that I actually took one pill. I don't... I, I did take a pill and it made me incredible Hulk-like angry. I could swear like my normal Bruce Banner... Um, exterior that you all witness, and I call it resting bitch tone because I have resting bitch face. <laughs> um, that uh, total like green Hulk moment, like I did not like what that stuff was doing to me. I didn't take another pill, and I just went back to to Advil and uh, risked the health of my liver. Thank you, Advil, for that. I mean, ibuprofen for that. <laughs> Acetaminophen, ibuprofen, yes. Yeah, whatever you are, um, you're not good for my liver. Um, but that was horrible. I mean, I can't, well, I don't understand, I guess, and I'm just saying this because um, I do myself prescribed 
uh, sugar addiction is mm -hmm. how I'm kind of relating to this because there was a time like I literally I would I would sneak sugar I, I'm, I mean I would literally like find ways to have sugar I was getting all fat and gross but I needed sugar um, mm -hmm. I've reduced my diet because of a liver I, I do have liver problems now thank you very much for sugar industry um, and I'm not being sarcastic that's actually my real I'm not happy time um, so I have non-alcoholic fatty liver, so that's fun. Um, but I've reversed most wow. of my conditions by one simple thing. I stopped eating sugar and I removed everything in my diet that had the word added sugar in it, not natural sugar. But I'm, I do relapse. Like I will have, sure. like when I, I, I still like my, my, I still have dark chocolate, but it's usually like 90% dark chocolate which most people were like will spit it out instantaneously if they have it but i i like it um mm -hmm. and that's that's uh, it's probably not good because i'm still getting a fix i think but if i have a cupcake or like milk chocolate or something i instant that that whole week is shot it takes me a week to stop because like that turns into yeah. like oreos that turns into like um more cupcakes i'll bake cookies you know i'll do like i'm not it's that's how it, and then by the end of the week i'm so ashamed i'm like i gotta stop and then i takes me another week to get back on track so that's why and I it works saying, just like drugs yeah that's why I, that's why i am so i don't i like i said i'm not die i'm self-diagnosed so i don't know if that's true or not but i perceive my perception is that i'm addicted to sugar and that's what i say um so i can't imagine what it would be like to have a drug or alcohol addiction and uh there are there both run are in my family i've ha i have in my family and in my wife's family we have both um we've seen we've been uh we've seen the negative effects of being a family member of somebody with um both a drug addiction and an alcohol addiction um mm -hmm. So it's absolutely oh, brutal. So fruit full. So because we're a full disclosure podcast, um, just so you know, where some of my perceptions from drugs and I do have a negative perception, um, but that is because my uncle was murdered. He was a addicted to drugs and he sold drugs and he was executed. Wow. I, I mean, I'm literally talking like, lying stomach down on the floor gun to the back of the head he was executed yeah that's so, so terrible just just to let you know like because uh, we're full disclosure that's like where like if i get really negative and go to a dark place it's probably from that yeah um, it's I, so we got here we're here now we're prescribed so these drugs that were for terminally ill people which you know we don't See, as humans, we don't want people to suffer. I, I appreciate that about us. We, mm -hmm. the, well, the compassionate people don't want, don't want people to right, suffer. Right, absolutely. And so I can understand why that level or class of drug was given to somebody to help them ease their pain, calm them. I mean, I've seen, I'm also a frequent flyer in hospitals, uh, as I just mentioned mm -hmm. with the non-alcoholic fatty liver, thanks to sugar. Um, but I have several other problems, so I'm a frequent buyer. I've seen a lot of inside of hospitals for other health conditions. So I know what it's like to have your roommate or the person next door lying there in pain or in a coma, you know, trying to keep them 
pain-free as they uh, right, comfortable. exactly comfortable as they're facing their exit. Um, so I get the compassion aspect of it, but why? So this Purdue pharmaceuticals made mm -hmm. it acceptable, socially acceptable to prescribe opioids. And then, yeah, like we just, I think said, more than anything, you, you, you kind of stumbled on it. I think with any more than anything, they made it more accessible too. Matter. And I think that as society, we have this perception that people who are drug addicts who, who, or who become drug addicts, uh, it's, it's like a moral deficiency or there's something that they're bad people. And that's a very dangerous ideology as well, because then a lot of people, myself, for example, will begin using and they'll, they'll assume that well, I can't become addicted because I'm a good person. And uh, it can happen to anybody. Well, I will say this, that, uh, and I talked about this on, on the line between good and evil with um, Ramya a few weeks ago, I think. Um, and good people do bad things, bad people do good things. And there's a whole show about that called Good Omens right now running on uh, Amazon Prime and no, they are not a sponsor. Although if they wanted to hire me to do a talk show full time, I'd quit my day job and do it, just saying. But they're not sponsoring <laughs> the podcast. so. I think, I, I mean, what I'm saying is I agree with you that don't just mm -hmm. because you, you perceive yourself to be a good person. One, A, if you have that perception, you might not be as good as you think you are. Number one, you need to really look in the mirror. Number two, I mm -hmm. really hope you are, not you, Nick, obviously, but people listen. <laughs> um, and number three, that just being good does not equal non-addiction. These drugs are addicting. Yeah, exactly. It's like an apples and oranges uh, assumption that we're, we're resulting, that we're leading to, or I guess, uh, what's we're looking for? Uh, an apples and oranges. We're, we're letting the wrong thing bring us to where what we think is true. It's not about good or bad. My addiction, I'm full disclosure, as you said, um, I, I was addicted for years and my addiction started innocently enough you know it was born out of the early 2000s when these drugs were most readily accessible as a 15 year old my grandmother i had a migraine and she gave me vicodin and i absolutely loved how it made me feel but i had this this misconception that a drug addict is a bad person and i didn't know that a vicodin was like heroin which it really is. As someone who's done Vicodin and heroin, I can tell you that the feelings are very, very similar, almost identical. And it's, it's just tragic, you know, that, that 15. a 15 year old would have access. Yeah. So what can, so one, you had access that is terrible, but it's, I, I, my perception is that it's not uncommon and uh, a lot of people's grandparents have that stuff laying around, and if they want it, they can get it. Um, easy enough. Well, right, but that's true. However, it's a little bit different when you're doing something deceitful to get it, and when they're just being handed to you out of oh, genuine yeah. on her part concern. Oh yeah, they're like yes, because well, bless her heart, and I don't mean that in the condescending southern way, and I mean it in the real way. No, I understand. She, she had no idea. I'm sure she had right. no idea what, what I guess what I'm saying is yeah. the education to those patients 
probably isn't or wasn't at the time you were 15, because I'm assuming you're older than 15 by now. Yeah, um, I'm 30 now. There you go. You're an old man now. Um, yeah. Still younger than me by like a lot, but that's okay. We won't, <laughs> I won't mention my age. Um, but I'm guessing that 15 years ago, there was no real education for grandma like, hey, Right. This stuff's highly addictive. You might, A, want to be careful what you're doing, and B, you might not want to give that to a 15-year-old child. Exactly. No, there wasn't. And there so, wasn't any education on my part either where they told me, hey, Grandma's Vicodin is going to turn you into a junkie, you know? Right. So what – do you mind if I ask, like, what, what no, was that I'm like totally for you? Like, how because i want to because here's the path i want to take i want you to talk about what it was like for you like what that path the and i guess if i could just phrase it this way and i don't i hope it doesn't sound too united but what was i the do path, not get offended so please what was the path worry. down because the path down like and then the path back up because i feel like there's probably a lot of misperceptions based on what we see in the media but more hmm. importantly what we see in the movies and on tv and yes am i wrong there no, you're totally right. So um, can you, do you mind walking us through that? Yeah, for sure. Uh, my, my addiction started, like I said, when I was 15 uh, in high school or yeah, it was going into eighth, somewhere at eighth, my eighth grade year. So going into high school and there was no like fall off a cliff type moment. Uh, I, I progressed through high school like a normal high school. I just took like it every day. Um, I still did everything that the kids my age did. I, I thought that I maintained normal relationships and everything seemed fine for the longest time. Graduated high school, went to college. My drug use progressed and continued and my consumption just was always more. Um, and eventually it just becomes an obsession. And when I was, I graduated high school, college with honors. I was magna cum laude in my, my graduating class. Um, so I, I got through the first seven or eight years with everything seeming fine. However, internally, I was just a train wreck. And it it didn't start boiling over until I was working for a mortgage company here. It was very high pressure um, for sales that I just like I couldn't handle it anymore and that's very common in addiction is it does eventually reach its breaking point but it was no like oh you took a drug and then you you know ended up on the street like that wasn't it I I made six figures out of college the first three years and, and I maintained a very on the outside looking in envious normal lifestyle so it it can be anywhere and then I started overdosing and I started getting desperate for drugs and I started getting withdrawals when I wasn't having drugs and I started obsessing over them and I started doing things that a normal person wouldn't do just to get my fix because after, you know, 10 years of prolonged use, that's what happens. That's what those drugs, it's the effect of them. So I can go into more details. Yeah. What else would you like me to talk about? So, well, I mean, so there's, I, I was just so fascinated listening to you. I just wanted you to keep going for that. Yeah. I totally respect that you stopped <laughs> to, to ask if I was. No, like, I just don't know what, 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 I mean, do you want to hear more about throughout college? It was just, 
well, I, so I always kept my go ahead. I was gonna say for so so for me it's it's and maybe it's my familial familiarity, easy for me to say, uh, with it. So I guess I can understand how you were able to keep the perception up that everything was fine and you weren't using um and it's 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 really if i may it's not that difficult to hide like you said up until a certain point um yeah everything is fine until it isn't and, and that's become a problem so so and it was that stress so for you it got really stressful so did that mean uh that you needed more to counteract the heightened sense of maybe adrenaline or stress running through your systems? Yes, uh, to an extent. However, it was more so, it, it's so much deeper than that. It, it was more so that I was, I've always been a people, like addiction isn't about a drug. Mm -hmm. It's about, to me, an addiction is an obsessive compulsion for an external stimuli that adversely affects other aspects of your life. and. I've, I've always done that. Like we talked about with food, I, I was a fat kid growing up because I would overeat. Um, I would play video games for hours on end. Like I've always just obsessed over things. Like that's just how I'm wired. And it, as far as like when things came to a head, it was, it, yes, it wasn't a job, but it was more so I was living out a lie. I was with my ex-wife at the time who I've been with since high school and I was trying to live out her, what she envisioned. Like I was trying to live out her dream. I wasn't myself and I, I was wearing masks and I was always being somebody that I wasn't. And I think on a subconscious level, it just eventually got to a breaking point where it's like, you'll either go insane or you'll, you'll reset. Which is what happened. I was literally going insane when I, when I started overdosing. So can you define that a little bit more, like the insanity part? Um, yeah, sure. Uh, I would, I would sleepwalk. I would. I, there's chunks of my life that I don't remember. Um, mm. I, I remember one particular instance. Um, we were staying in an apartment, my ex-wife and I were staying in an apartment complex, and uh, I, I walked out the front door when I was sleeping, and I didn't wake up until I heard the door slam behind me. Um, I was hallucinating, um, and of course, you know, some of this might be stress-related, some of this might be biological, some of it might be drug-induced, and I'm sure it's a combination of those three factors, but it was it was literally pushing me to the brink of insanity. Um, my doctor at the time who didn't know that I was using drugs diagnosed me as bipolar, which you can't have a, a accurate psychiatric diagnosis if you're on substances. Um, so, so yeah, it, it literally broke down my, my mental capacity. So what, if if you can walk us through now, the if i i'm going to use a word correct me if i'm wrong but please don't apologize the the realization and then the path up 
the real is so okay. Yes, the realization happened. 2014 was a really big year for me. Um, I got married in May of 2014. By July, I was in rehab for the first time. And at that point, I still like I still couldn't get off the drugs. Like I was, I dried out in rehab for a month, but I went right back to using. And then my a lot of it came from that the toxic relationship that I was in. Um, when that ended, my my ex wife she like left me and kicked me out of the house. Um, I moved back to back home, and I was super depressed for a few months. I overdosed a few different times. And uh, so at first, like, that was when I started to realize it was a problem, and I got super depressed. And then following a, a near-fatal overdose on December 6th of 2014, I uh, I just had a change in my perspective. I, I, I quit trying to hold on to this misconception that I had to please everybody and that that I was supposed to be this person that I never wanted to be in the first place. And I, I just started to be okay with who I was. After overdosing, I was in the hospital for in December of 2014. I was in the hospital for two weeks. And immediately upon leaving the hospital, a stipulation of my release was that I seek additional psychiatric help because they deemed it a suicide attempt because I took so much drugs. And I was on a plane to Florida where I went to rehab for 90 days. And at that point, it was just like I was just done. Like I was so sick and tired of living a lie and living what I, someone, someone I wasn't. And I, that's when things changed. And I don't necessarily think that I needed rehab. Like I feel like at that point, no matter what happened, like I was just, my perspective had changed. Um, not that I'm not grateful for, for the opportunity to go to rehab because it is a great experience for anyone struggling with addiction. Um, but yeah, when, when that happened, I was grateful. And I, I look back on my life, and, and that was one of the most important moments of my life was was reaching that point. And, and I'm so glad that that it wasn't fatal and that I am still here and now I can do my, my part as best as my abilities to try and make a difference for other people. No, I definitely commend you for that. So, I mean, I'm, and, and I'm also glad you're here, not just because, you know, you're an awesome <laughs> podcast guest, but. Because I'm going to be a fantastic guest. Well, yeah, duh. But I mean, we're, <laughs> we're doing good work. It's more I mean, than that, yeah. That's, Thank you. I mean, a lot of, a lot of what I do is, is like this podcast. Not, I, I mean, if it helps one person, then it's all worth it for me. Um, yeah. like I'm, I'm shocked that I have listeners at all. So thank you all for listening. There's a lot more than you than I thought there would ever be. Um, so again, thanks, for, thanks for that. So, I mean, I am sincerely glad that you had that epiphany, um, and that, yeah. that made a difference and that rehab is important because I know I have family members that have gone to rehab a couple of times, multiple times, and still like, I feel like it's just a, okay, well, I, I, it's time. I have to go. I, I got, how do I want to phrase it? It's like, it's like, Oh, I got caught. I have to go do this and then I'll get out and, you know, right. go through the motions. Um, I've so, got to appease, appease the powers that be my family, whoever it might be. 
the families, the courts, whoever. Yeah, basically. And like, you know, that'll get me through, through it. But that's, I mean, I don't necessarily think that that's the, the right way to go, but um, you know, it's not, not my life, but uh, I definitely think people should. Well, speak on my podcast, I talked to uh, a woman the other day and um, she went to rehab one time was continued. She was an alcoholic. She continued drinking and she has benzodiazepines. Um, so she continued drinking and using drugs for seven years. And she just went to AA and eventually it clicked for her. Like anything can work and whatever mm-hmm. works for you, stick with it. It's just about having that change in perspective. That's what it requires. Like that is the catalyst and that is what's necessary. It's not that rehab is necessary. Yeah. It can be a great tool, but it's not going to keep you sober. Right. So let's talk about that for a second. So sure. for you, and I don't know, is this like, so is it just, was it just for you or is this like something that all addicted people maybe have in common is that you were not your true self and I'm ad living here. So like now you are your true self and you don't feel the need to do or to compensate if I, if, if I can phrase that just shortly. And I, yeah, <clears throat> no, I think that I feel like I'm kind of a, a, a unique case in a couple different ways. Um, for me, the obsession was lifted immediately. Like I said, if after that overdose, I just like, I was done, which is really unusual. Um, I don't think it's, I think that it's possible for other people to, to have that be the, the catalyst behind their, addiction was they weren't their true self they were living a false identity or a lie but something that i found with frequency is they're masking trauma at least it's something that i found from my podcast is it could whether it's sexual assaults or or some form of abuse that's very common i would say that's probably more common than not living your true self but i think that that in and of itself ties into not living your true self because you're letting that that assault or that rape define you. Mm-hmm. So, so I think that I think that it can be different for people, but I think that it's it's a similar threat. Yes. Hmm, interesting. Um, I could see. Well, what I know, um, I know for me, like I, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say I don't lie. Um, because I definitely can exaggerate to tell a story. So I'm, I typically do, so what I like to do in, in the business world or when I'm trying to make a point is I'll go to the extreme for the shock and awe factor and then I will walk people mm-hmm. back off the ledge because I want to make my point sure. and then I walk them backwards. So I don't know that that's not, it's maybe just exaggerating, but exaggeration can be a lie too. So I don't want to say I'm not a lie. I just think it's an element of storytelling. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, you should hear me tell a yarn. I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> um, you know, uh, but I will say, like, I can. I typically don't, because I don't. I can't. So with me, if I'm not telling the truth, it literally eats away at me. I mean, I'm. Not, I just am. Um, I, so many cartoon analogies, most of them involving SpongeBob trying to keep a secret go through my head, but like, I just can't hold that in i just have to yeah I, I i can't so i can't um especially when it comes to my wife like she knows i'm lying like i'll just like she's like what are you up to and i'm like um nothing and she's like oh, geez, you know, what are you doing? i'm or i'll be or 
the way I try to get out of it is like, what are you doing? I'm not buying bike parts. That's for sure. <laughs> that's exactly what you're doing. <laughs> right. So like, I mean, I just can't, like, I can't even play a practical right. joke on her. Like, that's what I'm, even if I, you know, cause like practical jokes, you got to fib a little bit, right? I can't even do that. Sure. Like she looks at me in the eye, she just looks at me and I just cave. And I just, I can't take it. Yeah. So. Drug addicts are fantastic liars and manipulators. I, I, I know that now firsthand because I personally was manipulated by a family member that caused quite a riff. Um, and that perception, I didn't even know it was happening. Um, no. And I won't say what relation, but this other person who was re- close, closer related than me to this other person was over my house and like was just so mad at me and I didn't know why. But that's right. because I was taken advantage of and things were said about that I enabled or did or whatever. I'm not gonna get too specific because I, I know that they'll know who they are. But um, yeah. she was like ready to, to like, I mean, I was thankful that when we were eating, she had a butter knife, not a steak knife. <laughs> and then when I told her my side of the story and I was, you know, she was like, oh, I should have known. Yeah. And she was, she was manipulated. And then she went to tell me because she's been going to a lot of like meetings and stuff for family members. And she's like, mm-hmm. they are the worst manipulators. She kept saying, using the word manipulating. And that's, this person manipulated me, manipulated the situation, was trying to manipulate her, and then manipulated right. us and playing us against each other mm-hmm. the whole time. And then, you know, I, it's a good thing. I, I, I just am full disclosure all the time. I'm like, here's what happened. Well, that's not mm-hmm. what happened. I was like, I can't help. That's not what they said. I mean, you two need to work this crap out because this is what happened. And then, right. um, you know, but obviously, I mean, she, well, she believed me because there's no reason for Sure, that. yeah, they're a drug addict. But, um, <clears throat> well, you've heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, I'm sure, right? Yes, I have. Well, that's the thing with, with addiction and with being a drug addict is that that very bottom level, that uh, I think it's a psychological level of needs, substance abuse precedes that. And if it came down to being deceitful and telling a lie and manipulating to breathe air, you're going to do it. Like you're going to do what you need to do to have your needs met. And when you, you're a chronic, you're, you just, you do it. Like it's just, it's second nature. Well, I know that now, but um, yeah, that was an interesting life lesson. So can you walk us yeah. through maybe and rapid fire or however fire you want to do It's like, what are the common misperceptions or misconceptions that you run across every day as a, um, as an advocate and um, former uh, abuser? The most common is without a doubt that, sorry, that heroin addicts are, <clears throat> homeless poor people with no family that live under a bridge which is so not true like i said i was making a good amount of money working a full-time job eating fentanyl patches which is a drug stronger than heroin um and my dad yeah those are they're they're terrible they're 
crazy. Yeah, I'll and I'm sure he's. I'll I'll definitely I'll give you some background on that. So keep going. Sorry, I didn't mean to run. I, I do that. Yeah, no, no, you're 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 good. Um, I'm actually interested to hear about it. So he's on the patches. He's on the patches. Do you want to pause now? Sorry, listeners. This yeah, is we'll we'll go back to that. We'll we'll go back to that. Yeah. We'll table that for a moment. Table that. Go ahead. Rapid fire. Um, so he's on the patches. The patches yeah. are meant to last three days for they terminally do. ill patients. Yep. Yeah, they wear them for three days. I would eat two patches. I would eat oh, them. Crap. So so I would get six days worth uh, worth of opiate distributed in you know an hour. So that explains which how I, I overdosed. Yeah, which I wish if I would do now, it would kill me. You know, it would kill any normal person. So it's just the insanity of addiction and shows you how deep you your addiction can go. Wow. What else you got for, well, actually let's, let's pause there and then I'll just fill you in and then we can go back to other misconceptions. So we've learned that just because somebody's on heroin does not mean that they're homeless and living under a bridge. Although, is it true, if I may, is it true that a lot of our homeless people, um, is it true or not? And I think I know the answer, but I, I'm hoping you'll. Know. I don't. I don't know. That's a really good question. What percentage of homeless um, abuse substances? Yes. I'd be interested to know that. Um, I don't know offhand, but I'm curious what percentage of homeless are mentally ill. Well, see, because there's also the a strong thing. correlation. There is a strong correlation, and I believe that there's a uh, that I believe that there's a lot of. I don't know how much. I should actually research that. Or maybe somebody, if you're listening, you want to talk about it, you know, guess who to call? Me. Guess Wait, maybe it'll be a blog post for me, so we'll see. On the show. Um, yeah, that would be good to know. Um, okay, so that was a segue. So I'll just finish the other segue because I don't want you to, to burn with questions. Is So my dad, uh, he was uh, injured at work. Uh, so he's an electrical engineer. And um, his job hmm. was to uh, do inspections on electrical components for railroad, railroad um, equipment and manufacturing so that there weren't any defects. Like when uh, a train worked, it worked. And, you know, so he was an integral part of the safeties network um, to make sure that there weren't, so that train accidents are not a common everyday occurrence. While at work one day, he was... Um, working with uh, a large, looking at a large spool of wire. And when I say large spool of wire, I'm talking it takes uh, an industrial size forklift to um, to carry this wire reel around. It's not like a spool of wire, like, which by the way, this is, people don't understand how heavy this stuff is, but like it's just even a small spool of wire is like incredibly heavy. But imagine an industrial size one that is a forklift is, I mean, maybe you've seen the big spools coming, you know, on, on the back of semi-trucks. That's what we're talking about. Okay. Wow. Forklift wasn't secured properly. The forklift driver did not follow safety protocol. That reel ended up on my dad and almost killed him and crushed his back in several spots. Wow. So that was the first, first accident. He, that, he had, he's had two back operations um, to fix that damage, and he's just got long-lasting like they, they couldn't repair him um, properly. Mm -hmm. uh, and then um, 
he's had other accidents at work. Again, always uh, it's, it's been people not following safety procedures. Um, and a, you know, a, a factory is a pretty dangerous spot. Um, and then he had kidney cancer and he lost a kidney. Um, and then he's had a couple strokes. And so his, his, he's under a lot of pain yeah. all the time. He can't sit, stand, or lay down for any length of time, which means that if he's in one position for any length of time, and I mean like probably I sit at a desk for eight hours a day. That's an exaggeration. I don't because I like to pace, so I get up and walk around. Mm -hmm. uh, but normal office worker, eight hours a day. He right. can't last more than an hour, maybe an hour and a half sitting before he's got to switch positions. He can't really stand because the stroke made the right side of his body not work. So he has, he has, he has that. He can't really stand very long. Can't support himself. And then when he lays down, he's just in pain because everything's just sitting there in pain. But that sometimes can be the most comfortable position for him. So he's on those patches to help him through that. Yeah, deal with it, right? Yeah, and so you know, these certainly hold a purpose. They they do, but I mean, knowing how severe they are, I wonder, and I don't know, and I'm not a chemist. I don't play one on TV either. Is that like I've seen a lot of good research done with cannabinoids for long-term pain uh, victims that mm -hmm. seem to have a, the similar effect, but without the highly addictive. I don't know if it's addictive or not. I really don't. Um, I'll just say highly addictive properties that these opioids right. do that's a good point and i would totally totally agree um i had uh wade molhauser on my part he's a friend of mine on my podcast and he's like i'm a person in recovery who's a, a weed advocate because i i feel like it, if it helps people it's a better alternative for pain management and i had never heard that before but i thought that was interesting and i in a position where i agree with him yeah, if it can work, why don't, why, I just don't understand, like, I don't, I, I, I've never, I've never it's, done, it's, I've, never done really, what, I've never what done, what really is, is it racism, is, oh, carry on, sir, go, microphone's yours. Yeah, on that note, we, uh, we illegalized cannabis, we actually made it a schedule one I think it was a Schedule One narcotic yeah. because it was yeah. brought up by Mexican migrant workers, and it was to demonize Mexicans, basically. Was um, it? Because I feel like the yeah. African American, our, our black and African American friends, are the ones that are taking the brunt of that. You're right. I mean, I would say that's the case currently. But when it was initially enacted, if we're talking 100, 200 years ago, it was grown in Mexico and it was brought up through Mexico. Well, in it, order was to demonize it was a cash crop in the U.S. We were growing it ourselves. We were growing, we were doing hemp, but we weren't doing the, the China that could smoke with any sort of regulatory, regulation, regulative. Okay, we weren't? There was, there was no THC in the hemp that we were growing. The hemp that, was, that George Washington was growing didn't get you high. It was used to for basket weaving. Well, yeah, hemp hemp has a lot of awesome uses, and we just like decriminalized it in Texas so we can grow it. But I've never understood why hemp got a bad rap. But I we I thought we actually did we meaning the country, the United States. There was a time when growing marijuana as marijuana was not illegal. 
Um, I'm gonna have to Google it. What um, doesn't Google know? I just, it's amazing. Isn't Google fantastic? Yeah. I now I, I'm pretty sure. All the facts behind it. Um, I should educate myself more, but I believe it was brought. It became an issue because it was so highly used in in Mexican society. The, the short answer. Okay, this is from Britannica. The short answer is racism. At the turn of the 20th century, cannabis, as it was then commonly known in the United States, was a little used drug among Americans. With the start of the Mexican Revolution in 1910, however. Many Mexicans began moving to the United States, and they brought with them the tradition of smoking marijuana. Amid a growing fear of Mexican immigrants, hysterical claims about the drug began to circulate, such as allegations that it caused a lust for blood. In addition, the term cannabis was largely replaced by the anglicized marijuana, which some speculate was done to promote the foreignness of the drug and thus provide xenophobia. Around this time, many states began to pass passing laws to ban pot. Wow. So thank you for that. Um, mm -hmm. So what I, I mean, there was a lot you said there in red, which was very informational. But the main thing that I took away in the back of my head was like, wow, we are a country of racists. We well, are, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we fled for religious freedom, but we, that doesn't mean that we came with any, any other freedoms within mind. No, once we got here, it, it's it's a power it's a power struggle. The people in power don't want to lose power, and people who who this is just common. I oh, feel no. like it's ingrained in us. Anyone who looks differently is is thought of as an outsider, and and we that's we true. want to keep them out of a position of power. I, I talk about that all the time, as because I'm anti-politics, anti-politician, and. Mm -hmm. People are, you know, they're like, well, you're anti-Trump, President Trump. And I'm like, I'm not anti-President Trump. I'm not anti-President Obama or President Bush, Bush or Clinton or whoever. I'm like, I'm anti-politician. They're politicians. I'm anti-politician because they got into politics for a reason. And it's not altruistic. Yeah. And for, they got into reason because it's power. <laughs> and you know what? I'm thinking like honest, uh, on, if I'm being 100% transparent and honest, at the ripe old fart age of 48, I'm seriously considering a life in politics because if I can make it into the House of Representatives or a senator at the federal level, You're set. that's I don't need to worry about retirement. Why don't I You're need to set. worry about retirement, Nick? Can you can you edu educate us on that? You'll you will love this. I graduated Central Michigan University with a degree in politics. I've worked my entire career in sales. During all of my interviews, I say I chose sales over politics because there's less bullshit. The, absolutely. You're, you're, I, you're, <clears throat> I'm agreeing with you. I know. So, let, so let's just cut to the chase. So if, if you don't, not you, Nick, if the you listening don't know, politicians, when all they have to do is serve a year, it might even be less. Yeah. It is less, as long as they get their elected official. I think as long as That's they show level. up, I think, uh, quite frankly, if I remember correctly, it's been a while, uh, but I think it's literally just if they show up on day one. It's not a matter of being yeah. elected. I think they have to show up on day one. Once you're in the system, you're in the system. If you get a, voted out or, 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 you know, you just retire, um, that salary, which it's currently $175,000 a year for a congressperson and i believe it's 320 
thousand for a senator, that becomes your salary for life. Plus benefits. Plus all the benefits that, by the way, they don't have the same benefit package you and I have. They, they have the Cadillac have, package. They do. They they don't have the Cadillac package. They have the they have the Ferrari package or the, <laughs> they, have the they have the Bugatti package because yeah they do not abide by the same laws that they pass for us. They are exempt from those laws. Here's a mind-boggling situation for you to take you completely off topic, and then I'll get back to it, I promise, because you still have to rapid-fire more, more misperceptions about... Um, we'll get there. This, we'll is get a good, there. this is a good tangent. So, um, shit, I forgot what it was. Because I remembered I was going off topic, because I could talk about this forever. So, oh, because they get a lot Politicians. Yes. Yeah. So, they, they can... So, here's a newsflash for everybody. Insider trading, where you would see like poor little Martha Stewart went to jail for insider trading. Guess mm -hmm. who will never go to jail for insider trading? An elected the official. President. Why? All elected elected, official. Any elected official. Because they can't be. It's okay for them to have that knowledge and trade. So if they're on the Ways and Means Committee and they know that some company that they're dealing with is about to get a huge government contract worth trillions of dollars, they are legally allowed to stock up on their stock, like and go cray cray to quote the Kardashians on that. And there's nothing illegal about it. They can use their insight, intimate knowledge for their personal gain. Yeah. And it's legal. All right. So I'm that's insane. So anyway, that's why I'm in position. And, and then if you look at some of the, the statistics behind how frequently these representatives and Congress people show up to vote, it, it's, shocking to the system that they don't even show up for their job they don't have to so i'll just say this and then, and then we'll move back because you're thinking of more common mis misconceptions perceptions is that i do believe that there are people out there in the world that want to get elected to try to make a change but here's what i think happens they get in there and they realize that they're playing a game and to play the game, you have to play by the game's rules, and the game is corrupt. Mm -hmm. Ergo, they become corrupt. They started off good. They maybe, you know, voted yes on something because they wanted something. That's It started innocently enough, and then it just escalates mm -hmm. from there. Um, and then before you know it, they're just a normal politician, and they spend, out of a two-year term, they spend a year campaign, two years campaigning. Or if they're in a six-year term, they spend three years campaigning. Or if they're in a four-year term, they spend three and a half years campaigning. All our politicians do in, is campaign. In two years of playing golf. Exactly. They just campaign. Why? Because it's such a good job. There's no accountability. We don't hold them accountable for anything. Mm -hmm. All right. So I've totally – can you see that you hit a pet peeve? Like I, this is like strikes a nerve. Um, I mean, like I said, my, my undergraduate degree is in politics, so I love the conversation. So here's what I think happens. So a good person gets in there. They, they look at the benefits package. They see everything that's going on. And they're just motivated. Like one, they're there. Like two, if let's say that they got, mo they were voted in to do term limits and do all sorts of change, but they get in there and they're like, wow, these are pretty good. Yeah. I'm not going to really, you know, who am I? I'm just one person. I can't really make a change. So I'm just going to go, let's just keep this job and keep going. 
and then they don't do anything and they become corrupt and that's what it is. So that's what I think happens. That's my perception of what happens. So you're going to tell us. Go ahead. Well, well, never mind. We'll, we'll, we'll continue no, with the drug conversation. Just, that's my topic. I'm curious. I'm, what's that? Go ahead. Just ask. All right. I'll just ask. What, how do we fix it? That's a good question. Um, and that's something that I do think about and I don't really have an answer for because we can elect a few people, get a few good people in. They're not going to make a dent. They're not. They one thing will happen to those people. They will a become one of the the drones that are in there now, or b mm-hmm. they will be stonewalled into being a non-productive member of Congress or the Senate, in so much as they will not earn a re-election. Do you want to hear my thoughts? Yes, because I'm not going to give them un asked for. One. We should do one term limit on everything at the federal level. To do that, and I don't care that we five states to ratify that. It will never happen. It's time the sky. Um, but I think that, and people will be like, "You're losing institutional knowledge if you do that." I don't care. Like, it was never set up to be a career. Our forefathers didn't set up our political system to be a career. Exactly. They were supposed to go back to farming after they served their term. Exactly. Political science, was it a major during the foundation of our country? No, it shouldn't be a major now. (laughs) So I agree. I agree. People, normal people should be in there. I mean, educated, normal people should be in there. And then they go, they, they help, and then they do go back to their lives. That's, that's the way it was. I mean, our, that's what that's what they were. I mean, that's what happened. But anyway, um, I appreciate your stance and I agree with you. I don't know that I could possibly agree with you more on all that. Um, but back to drug and addictions. Uh, now back to our regularly scheduled programming. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that commercial brought to you by the uh, old cartoon where how does a bill become a law? Look it up. It's actually pretty funny. I um, love that show. Right. Episode, or whatever it was. I don't even know what it was called, but it was, it was like my fave. Um, <laughs> they did a they did a bunch, loved them. Um, Schoolhouse Rock. There you I go, Schoolhouse it. Rock. So if you're listening to this, and I know that there's uh, multiple countries that are listening, so thank you for that. Um, just look up Schoolhouse Rock. It's it's fun. You'll like it. Trust me, you won't regret it. Yes. So what else can you tell us that? is either TV and media get it wrong or the news just blows something out of proportion. Like what are we not seeing as what I call gen pop, which is general population. What is, what are we in gen pop not getting um, or what are we getting spoon fed that's wrong? Um, I, I think a big misconception is addicts don't want to be addicts. Like no one wants to be a drug addict. It literally comes down to, I need this. Um, I think a big confusion with addiction is people, it's not about drugs. It's about masking pain. It's about wearing masks. It's about not being yourself. It's about something deeper than drugs. And we need to, honestly, I would decriminalize all drugs because I think that if we have a true open discussion, open dialogue, shameless book, 
on substance abuse, we we need to to get to that level where we can, you know, decriminalize, not treat people who use drugs as criminals, and and allow the general public to to make these decisions for themselves. Um, well, I I definitely I will think, agree that um, I'm just going to jump in real quick, if you don't mind. I'm going to yeah. agree that I uh, I don't think marijuana should be a class one drug. That's just stupid. But number two, and a lot of people don't know this, is that a lot of the people that people, a lot of the gen pop look up to people like Bill Gates and others. I'm not going to name names other than him. And they microdose. Um, aren't they microdosing LSD? Yeah, that's something that I've heard is super common, especially in, uh, like you had mentioned, um, Silicon Valley. Exactly. So is no matter like is there a legal amount of lsd isn't a microdose still illegal yeah it's all illegal right so i mean i i i i don't so let me just say this why is bill gates who openly admits he's microdosing lsd why is he not behind bars if it's so illegal is that is that privilege of being rich yeah, that's a good thing. It could be. Um, I mean, I'm just wondering because I've been caught. I mean, I can stand here and tell you about all the times that I've been heroin, but that doesn't mean that I have heroin on me and that I'm being caught with heroin until that I'm proven guilty, which that's is I think one of the beautiful things about our political system. That's a good point. I'm I am overlooking that and playing that down. I, I not intentionally, but I acknowledge that now. Right. I understand you. I understand your point though. Is it? It's a good point. Is is it, is it privilege? Um. But then again, you know, how many rappers rap about he's doing drugs? So it's, it comes back to the, the until you're caught, you're, you're for a free person. Well, which is true, but I'm also trying to make the point that I think it's more common than people think. Oh, that's, yeah, that's another good point. And I totally agree. And I think that we need to stop looking at addiction as being an issue. This is the next, actually the next misconception that I was going to bring up. So good segue. I think we need to stop looking at addiction being an issue of drugs. Like, I wasn't an addict because of the drugs. I was an addict because I'm an addict. I was addicted to television. I was addicted to sex. I was addicted to food. No matter what it was, I'm just an addict. Like, it's a mental disorder. Like, there's just something with my brain where I was programmed to obsess over external stimuli that cause pleasurable uh, occurrences. And the the drugs are secondary. They're just a, a... a vessel to to receive that pleasure. It's not about the drug. Someone can responsibly take a drug, and we're we're demonizing them, which shouldn't be the case. And we should be having an open, this sort of open discussion on them. So, do we demonize them because we project? I feel like a lot of the times when somebody's hyperly critical, or I call them judgy McJudgersons, that they're projecting. <laughs> I think some of it is projecting. I think some of it, like we talked about earlier, is just racism, like or uh, covert racism. Um, I, I think some of it is it's we're so comfortable with how things have been that it's a drastic change to view drugs in an open forum. Well, we're so. I think that a lot of this comes from that puritanical 
self-belief because, um, for example, we came from like the, the colonists were European, right? We came, the colonists yeah. came from European countries and they settled in the Americas. Um, by the way, there's three of them, North, Central, and South. Uh, all Americans, by the way, just not maybe citizens of the United States. <laughs> just want to throw that out there. Um, however, we brought like all these puritanical ways. Like for example, I hate how women are berated for breastfeeding. I mean, we came from countries where there's nude beaches, but we can't have a woman breastfeed a child without losing our marbles. Yeah. So, and I'm using that as an example. Again, that's another trigger issue for me because, I mean, last time I checked, they were actually mammary glands. That was their purpose. But anyway, I digress. Um, <laughs> we can't talk about that. We can't let that happen. So we, we have this very strict beliefs. We don't talk about mental illness. We don't talk about addiction, which you're, you're highlighting and illuminating for me that is mental related that it is it's in you know it's it is what you said i'm not gonna i can't even paraphrase what you said uh we don't have any discussions uh we don't we just don't talk about it we were raised mm -hmm. i was raised you don't talk about the, you just talk about the weather don't talk about politics yeah. don't talk about religion don't talk about anything you must not you must not have an actual real conversation with somebody you must just have the niceties those niceties over the years have bred us into this society we can't talk about anything mm -hmm. and I, I think that well you're absolutely right and i think that amplifies the issue i think that by not talking about things people it festers we allow we allow them to fester and if things are out in the open if we were having these open discussions we we could spearhead a lot of the issues before they progressed. Oh, yes, I, I, I agree. If we were more open about things, but I also think that, and I told you this as, as a guest and people have heard this, but um, part of the reason I, I do this podcast is to let people know that you can have a discussion with somebody on a topic that might be considered taboo um, and you may agree, you may disagree, you you may violently agree, which is an Italian thing. I think it's a Greek thing too, from what I've seen in the movies. <laughs> uh, it sure, sure is, yes. But uh, you know, we these things may happen, and but at least we're still having a discussion. We can debate. We don't we don't have any meaningful conversations, which I think has led. So I'm going to make a jump here because I'm anti Facebook, even though I'm on Facebook. Uh, that's a whole nother I am too. Thing. I can understand. So we have all of these non-interactions that we've learned because we can't ask somebody like, you know, we can't have a real discussion about anything. If somebody's depressed, they can't talk to you about it because you're not supposed to ask and they're not supposed to talk about it. Right. Ergo Facebook. Facebook, everybody was looking for the attention and maybe a connection on a level that we don't have today because we're afraid to talk to people. And then that turned sure, into so this, this turned into the social addiction fed by confirmation bias, which has led us into the devoid, the void that we're in right now. 
which is and people the, wonder why they people don't understand why they're depressed. It's because you're not we're social creatures. We're meant to interact, and all the the, the new age technological stuff is just it's not how we're wired. And we, we're going surface, like you had mentioned. We're having all this like face to face, not not real interactions. It's all surface level. We're not talking about anything deep. Exactly. We're 140 characters. You can't get in deep in 140 characters or whatever it is now because they raised it because people couldn't get their points across in 140 characters. But <laughs> you can't you can't know anything. You can't. You have to have a conversation. Maybe you have to have multiple conversations. And you know what? It's okay. By the way conversations are messy in their nature but if you're willing to be mm -hmm. authentic like we are with each other like if people have noticed i screwed up in the very beginning like i don't even know what i screwed up on but i did i'm not editing it out because you know we laughed about it because it was funny um did mm -hmm. i die did i shrivel up and die inside no it happened is the world going to end no it's not like we're strangers talking we've had 17 minutes of conversation before this we're learning. You're sharing with me. I'm, you're busting some conceptions that I had and you're confirming that some of my ideals and thoughts were, are maybe not so crazy. Um, but that's what we're doing. We're having a real discussion about a difficult dis conversation. So true. They're, they're, yeah. Have them. Um, I can't tell you how many people I know today that are like, why'd you call it? You didn't text me first. Why the hell do I need to text you first? <laughs> I called because I funny. wanted to talk to you. If I want to text you, I'll go find some stupid Harvard kids or MIT graduate students AI that will is like called bestbuddy.com and I'll just go text that AI and it'll text me back. Or shit, I'll right. talk to Alexa all day long. Hey Alexa, are you my BFF? Yes, David, I really am. Yeah. I mean <laughs> Alexa, do you love me? Exactly. So, I mean, I, by the way, I don't have those in my house. I refuse to have them for other reasons. Uh, uh, Alexa is literally talking to me right now. I, I, I sadly <laughs> do have one. As soon as I said that, she said that I was talking. That's really funny. That is, she's always listening. Um, but yeah, I feel like depression, me. so depression is, and I, I believe me, I have a point. I, I, I take the long way around the house to go in the front door. Um, Depression is higher than it's ever been, which leads to fill in the blank. Depression. This high level of depression. You lead to substance abuse. Thank you. Yes, which is is a problem. Yeah, going back to something else you said, and this is a fantastic connection that we can make. Um, they say in when I was in rehab, they told me that the opposite of addiction is connection. And I genuinely think that that is true. Like before, when I was in my addiction, when I was abusing substances, um, I would have never dreamed in a million years that I could have this open conversation with you. I'm a stranger, <laughs> you know, in Texas, when I'm in Michigan, and it's just like it, it, it seemed inconscionable. It just seemed shocking to my system that I would be able to open up like this. And it's okay to have these conversations. It's okay to have an open discussion. Um, and I think there's a lot of truth to that, that with the increase in technology, we're going to see a further increase in the lack of connection, and it's going to be a further increase in addiction. I think so. I think you're right. I think it's going to lead. Yeah, it's going to, we're not getting any, 
we're getting further and further away from connection. Yeah. So I just want to make a point um, that I'm glad you're more than willing to come on and talk to a stranger about this, and then we're going to put it on the interwebs, which means it lives forever um, in perpetuity for all time until Brainiac comes or whatever that uh, robot that Tony Stark created comes and absorbs all technology. <laughs> Ultron. Ultron. Yes, I, I got my I got my um, androids mixed up there. Brainiac is a different one. Um, <laughs> Might even be DC. How dare I mix DC and Marvel up? That'll I'll get I'll get calls on that. I was about I was about to say that it was DC. You did mix DC and Marvel up there. Oh, I'm kind okay. of a, a comic book nerd. So that's it. Uh, well, my uncle owns a comic book shop, so I grew up with him. So I can't believe I mixed DC and Marvel up. But anyway, um, we are we're growing further and further away from connection, and that's why you know I want people to learn that they can have a conversation, and it's okay. Um, but I did want to make the point that if anybody out there that's listening, I know my listeners don't feel this way because they're my listeners and they're awesome creatures. But if anybody is a first time listener and you're wondering what this is all about, um, or anybody that's not a listener and there's like a snippet somewhere in the future and you're listening to this for some whatever reason, you are not better than somebody who has an addiction. You're not a better person. You're not a better anything. We're all human. We all have flaws. You may have other flaws that this person who's addicted doesn't have. You know what? Just because the person who has an addiction doesn't mean that they're an adulterer. Maybe you're sleeping around on your significant other. Yeah. Doesn't make you a better person. They're human. We're all human. Please remember that. Um. I totally agree. And I think uh, to kind of go piggyback off of that point, I think addiction, like I think of any other mental illness, I believe occurs on a spectrum. And I think on some level of the spectrum, we all have aspects of mental illness. I think that we're all addicted on some level to something. It's about how we, how it manifests. And just because it manifested for drugs for a particular person, you don't know that person's story. They could have been innocently given drugs when they were 15 years old. You know, you never know until you know. Mm -hmm. It's very true. You, you, you don't know. And that's another reason why perception is reality. Um, it takes, I talk about this a lot on a lot of the episodes. Do you know how long it takes to form that initial opinion about somebody? I don't know. About one-tenth of a second. Wow. An initial glance, your body is, your, your mind is already processing that visual That's amazing. against other people. And then, because they say, you know, there, there some people think it's 10 seconds. 10 seconds is how long you have to confirm or refute that one-tenth of their a assumption. second assumption. In that's 10 amazing. seconds, that's where the solidification comes in. Um, so that's what we're all fighting against all the time. But I think if people knew that, you might be a little bit more forgiving because let's just say that, you know, you've got, uh, this, this might be a bad analogy because not everybody has, has kids, but let's just say for, for grins and giggles, you've got a sick child at home and they're running a fever 
and uh, you are out of your fever-reducing medicine that this child needs, and you are at the drugstore at 8.50, looking like death warmed over because you've been having this sick kid for a week. People don't know that about you when they see you, but they're, right. ma they're making assumptions. They might think that you're some homeless person. They might think that you're just don't care about yourself. They might think lots of things, but they don't know. So think about what I'm asking is think about how many times you were that person looking at the other person that's in the drugstore at not at 850 desperately in a hurry, looking like they're raggedy or first thing in the morning because they couldn't get out. There was no 24 hour pharmacy and they couldn't wait until eight. They had to get out there at eight o'clock in the morning because they're trying to avoid urgent care because the cost of healthcare is astronomical. Uh, don't even get me started on that, but that's another podcast. Yes, it is. But my point is, can we just not judge people? I just want you to know, not you, Nick, but the plural you, that we're always doing these judgments. We're, we're making them. Just know that you have them so you can, if you know it and you acknowledge it, then you can move past it. And that's all I'm asking. Move past that initial reaction and judgment. Get to know the person or just don't assume. You, you might be in their shoes next week. Or you might have an ailing parent or sibling, or you might be sick. Anyway, I you don't know until you know. Exactly. No, you're right. So tell us how people can find you. Tell us all the good stuff, all the good details. Spare us nothing. Yeah. Um... I recently started a new position in Saginaw where I'm working with a program called Families Against Narcotics, which is a fantastic program that gets people who are looking for treatment into treatment. We work with people who, uh, who don't have insurance, who have Medicaid. No matter what type of insurance they have, we find them a program that will accept them. So that's, that's my day job currently. Um, which is, is awesome. I am hoping we're, we're currently based out of Michigan only and North Carolina. Um, my dream is to bring that nationally. Um, it's through police stations. So it's called hope not handcuffs. So you can go into a police station and they will help you find treatment. They'll call me. Also, I operate and run the open discussion the odmovement.com which is a podcast as well as blogs and it's all about addiction and changing the dialogue around addiction and increasing awareness on substance abuse i can be found on twitter instagram and facebook at odmovement and your podcast can be found my podcast can be found anywhere that most podcasts are sold <laughs> I'm on <laughs> I'm on uh, Facebook or excuse me, I'm on uh iTunes, uh Google Play, Spotify, uh SoundCloud. There I upload them directly to the website, so odmovement.com. Um yeah, and if anyone needs help, if anyone is struggling with addiction, they can reach out to me directly and I will give them the best advice that I that I can possibly give them.
and and I was just about to volunteer for that, but I'm glad you you did that on your your own. I knew I kind of knew you would, because I was hoping you would. It's um, it's what I'm passionate. Honestly, I, I like I said, I've I've made decent money. The greatest feeling in the world, even you know more than the money and the drugs, is when people tell me that like I I'm an inspiration to them. Like that is just like makes the back of my head tingle. It's amazing, and I I get that now, and it's it's so satisfying and humbling. I can definitely see why people would say that. I mean, I find you inspirational as well. I do. Um, Thank you, the world. For me, um, helping people is is my greatest feeling. I like helping people. That's why I don't. I perceive my perception is that I'm helping with this podcast, and and you know what? Maybe the person I'm helping is myself, and that's fine. Um, I'm okay with that, but at least I'm helping somebody. Uh, but if there's anybody else that I'm helping, then that's important to me as well. Um, and that's that, a good point. I just enjoy that, You know, from just from yeah. doing the blogs and the podcast, I never like I did that to help other people, but I never realized how therapeutic that would be to me. I don't know about for you, but I can only speak for myself. But I find a great deal of of therapy from from sharing my experiences well um i agree that it is and maybe uh, and this is why i'm saying in this uh my npr voice is that maybe <laughs> you and i both uh by doing what we're doing we're connecting yes and like i said connection is the opposite of addiction hmm I'm going to let that just swirl around there for a minute because it's swirling around in my head. I'm just going to let that lay there for a second because that's uh, something I had never thought of before. That's why I went into my NPR voice. Uh, Love it. Maybe that is, that is, maybe that's it. I don't know. Uh, I definitely, yeah. if you've listened to the podcast, you know, I always enjoy talking to my guests. Um, I do. It's fun talking and, and I mean, it's, this is, it's going to sound really strange, but I mean, I've had fun talking to you about such a sensitive but important topic. And I hope, my, my sincere hope is that you, we accomplished today what you were hoping to accomplish by being a guest on the show. If I can change one person's perspective, it was a well-spent time. And I will be very grateful for the opportunity to talk and hopefully reach one person. Did we accomplish what you were hoping on the show today to recover the topics that you wanted to talk about? Um, Dave, I've, yes, I have absolutely loved talking with you. This has been fantastic. Um, we'll have to stay in touch. This is, this has been really cool. Oh yeah. If you, I mean, I always, and I mean this and people have heard me say this on other podcasts, like you're any guest is welcome to come back and talk about any topic. Like I'm going to have, um, there's a couple of people that I have in queue that uh, are going to be repeats. I've had Jeremiah a couple of times. Clint's been on a couple of times. Uh, Julie's going to come back. Nancy's going to come back. Um, trying to coerce Margaret to coming back, but I think she's she's happy with what she's accomplished in her her broadcast. Um, and I've got a um, I'm hopefully going to be talking to a sex therapist soon, and but. We're going to talk about a couple of different topics, I think. I'm hoping that's my perception. Um, but yeah, anything. You want to come back and talk politics? You want to talk about 
work and working in corporate America. Anything you want to come back and talk about? You are- uh, yeah, those are both fantastically interesting con- concepts. Even substance abuse in corporate America would make for an interesting podcast. Oh, good Lord, it really would. I mean, <laughs> I've seen, I, I, I used to be on the trade social, trade show circuit. Um, hmm. and I've seen some, I've seen some crap go down. Um, <laughs> so drug abuse in corporate America, I think is, is a topic that, uh, most people don't think about, which goes back to what you were saying is perception is reality. These people are running good corporate, these people are running companies and they're hiding their addiction. Yeah. They are productive. I mean, productive is such a subjective word, but they are, quote unquote, air quotes, productive members of society utilizing illegal substances. Um, I think profitable might be the more appropriate word. There you go. I like it. I like it. Yeah, yeah. That's a good one. So, um, and they're hiding it. And you only, you know, see these things if you're in the club and, you know, whatever. Um, I mean, personally, and sometimes they're not even hiding it. I know no, sometimes they don't. Corporate America, it's the, the particular business that I was with, they didn't care as long as you performed. Yep. As long as I made my quotas and made my numbers, they didn't care that I was coming to work. Just fucked out of my mind. I'm sorry. No. I don't know if that's appropriate language. <laughs> um, I try to avoid that, but I, I dropped the, the S-bomb earlier, so I, I, I broke that tail. <laughs> but um, I agree with you. Sometimes people are just overt about it, and they just don't even care. Um, but I will say that then most my, my experiences, my personal experiences is that when you're at a trade show and you're away from friends and family, people don't care. But then when they go home, they maintain their normal air quote, normal life. Right. And which is back in the closet with whatever they're doing. Um, I'm glad that, you know, this is one of those reasons, one of the, not reasons, this is one of those things where I'm glad that I was um, blessed with the several heart problems that I've had because I think I do have that addictive personality because I will binge, like I, there's a reason I don't have any games on my iPhone. I had to to delete them, yeah. I had to delete them all. There's a reason for that. There's a reason I stopped playing League of Legends with my son um, and his friends who are in their 20s. And they always want me to come back, but like I can't go back down that rabbit hole. I just can't. Um, There's a reason sugar's a a problem, but there's a reason I never did any drugs because I can't. Like I have so many heart problems that I, I don't have the same reaction to drugs as a normal person. And I have to be very cautious. Even the prescription ones, which are really, I mean, let's, there's not much of a difference between over-the-counter and under-the-counter, right? But um, it really isn't. they have to be very careful about which they prescribe me, and the doses are not are much lower than normal, um, what a, what a, what a air-quote normal human being would get, same body mm-hmm. weight and height. They might get, uh, they would get a, what would be perceived as the normal dose, and I would de- definitely get lower um, in everything. Yeah. Uh, so... I, I, I'm glad that that's a thing because I've always been afraid of the um, the uh, side effects and and what would would happen because I've already experienced yeah, the possibilities. Yeah, I, I've already I've already experienced the other side a couple times in my life due to heart 
issues. So I don't want to go back for artificial means. Um, mm -hmm. But anyway, what else? Did we cover everything? Is there anything else we should talk about? I think we touched on a good amount. This has been a fantastic, I think, I thought it was a fantastic episode. Thanks. I mean, I did, I, I had, I, I, I feel sheep is saying this, like, but I already said it. I had fun talking to you about it. I feel like we had, yeah. I feel like I went in too many soliloquies this time, though. Normally, I normally try to stay off my soapbox, but there was a few hot button issues that really, I just can't help it. <laughs> we touched on a wide range which is, it, it made it fun. It, it was very interesting. Um, yeah, I know. I thought that this, this was fantastic. Well, I didn't warn you in the green room like I normally warn guests, but I, all my listeners know, because I've mentioned it several times, is that I, uh, for certain countries, I will say that I uh, chase the butterflies. If I see one, I'm going to follow it. Um, for other countries, I'm like a cat with a laser pointer, and I followed the, the laser <laughs> so. Thank you for sticking with me. Um, I know I make the, the podcast conversations a wild ride, but I do sincerely appreciate your time and your message. And I do hope if, sincerely, if you're listening and you've identified with anything that we said, not related to politics, because that's a different episode, but sincerely related to the addiction issues and you need help, you want help, Nick's given you some resources. He's a resource. Reach out to me directly. I will find you help. We will help. I, we will we'll get through this together. Like yes. I said, a connection is the opposite of addiction. That's, that's one thing that I want people to know, um, regardless if they're addicted or not. You're not alone. You feel yeah. like you're alone because you have superficial, artificial friendships, but you're not actually alone. There are people that you can connect with on a real level, they're out there. There are people that will pick up the phone and say hi when you call them. And I'm not talking about a call center in some foreign country. I mean like honest to God, real people <laughs> that will be like, hey, person, fill in your name here, how you doing? When they ask you, they really wanna know the answer and it's okay to talk to them. And then if that's not yeah. the case, don't be afraid to go seek out therapy. I mean, really, there's no, that's another topic that I, I talked about with Maurice on his anxiety. Don't be mm -hmm. afraid to seek out a therapist. There's nothing wrong with talking to a therapist. They exist for a reason. Talk to them. They're kind of trained in this thing. Find the right, I will say this as someone who's been to therapy, find the right one. Definitely. Um, a, a good therapist, you know, a therapist, there's a big difference in someone that you connect with. It's like to make, a world of difference and change your life. Thank you for saying that because I do, I sometimes I get so wrapped up. I forget to mention that, that a therapist is a relationship and you need to find the right one. And it's okay. Literally. And I mean this because I know a few therapists. If you're not clicking with your therapist, you can actually ask, tell your therapist, look, I don't, this isn't going to work. Can you refer me to somebody else? Mm -hmm. And you know what? a good therapist will actually be like, okay, great. So tell me what's not working. And I don't want you to be embarrassed. This is the time to be truthful. They will take that into consideration. They're not taking it personally. They're, thinking, They're professional. Yeah, exactly. exactly. They are thinking in their head of their Rolodex of colleagues, who would be the better fit for you. They want you to, to succeed. They do. Mm -hmm. But to, you got to be honest. And it's, it's, it's yeah, okay. And I, 
Go ahead. I was going to say, as someone who's talked to therapists and talked to good ones and not so good ones, that connection is key. And if you're not being 100% truthful with your therapist, you don't have a good connection with them. See there, That's ladies it. and gentlemen. Nick knows. Um, I'm going <laughs> to... Um, we'll have to, to get another podcast going called Nick Knows. Uh, and we'll just... <laughs> talk about all the stuff that Nick knows um, and you can turn next trick yep for his next trick watch him pull a rabbit out of his hat uh, <laughs> I know sincerely Nick thank you I, I know I kid um, a little um, but it doesn't take away from the message that you have and and the gift that I think that you're giving to people because time is our most valuable asset in life. We're all born with a certain amount of it. We, we're all given a finite bank when we are born. We don't know how long that lasts. So be careful how you spend your time. And the reason I'm saying that is because Nick is offering his time to help you. And that's his most valuable asset is his time. And he's willingly giving it away because he wants to help you. So if you need that help, don't be afraid. Well, Nick, thanks for being with me. I can't. So next time, um, so I, I, I will say that I don't like to know a lot about my guests. So next, I um, knew what we were kind of going to talk about because it was the OD movement, uh, which is I found on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And as you mentioned, people can find everywhere. Uh, so I knew what we might be talking about based on your profile. So I can't wait. I want you to surprise me next time. Like I really, I mean, like when I say, Nick, what are we talking about today? I want you to be like space cowboys on Mars, go, um, you know, just like, you know. We'll, we'll touch on another very depth, deep layer of my in-depth personality. So yes, I love it. Yeah. Whatever you come up with is my point. Um, you know, I will go down any rabbit hole you want because uh, that's just how I roll. So thanks a lot, everybody. Again, you know where to find Nick. I'm not going to say it again, but actually I'm. So OD Movement, um, he's all over. Uh, that's what you want to do. All his contact, I'm assuming your contact information's there. Uh, it's probably on your webpage more than any of the other stuff, or is it on the other stuff too? It uh, should be on, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's on everything. Um, awesome. But I mean, they can message me through any of the various messaging services and uh, I'm pretty responsive, so. I will say he, he is actually, because uh, that's how we messaged back and forth when I was uh, trying to get him on the show to, to, to button down a time. Um, so message him if you need help. Uh, or let's say you don't need help, but you want to help. I love Nick, it. Nick can guide you towards ways where you can donate your money or your most valuable asset, your time to make a difference. Yeah, I have no people all across the nation to donate time. Obviously, it's most valuable resource. If you can't do time, money's exception too. Whatever you can do to help is greatly appreciated. Agreed. So with that, Nick, I'm going to sign off. So thanks, everybody, for listening to your favorite podcast, Perception is Reality, where we like to talk about how we all have our own perceptions, which become our own realities, and they may not be the reality. They're just a reality, and we like to talk about it. 
I just made that up. I've never said that before. So maybe I'll remember it next time. Maybe I won't. I don't know. Uh, Nick? So Fantastic impromptu. Yes, that's, that's what I do. You should actually, like, I mean, just segue. Uh, when I was on the trade show circuit, I used to do a lot of public speaking. Oh, mm-hmm. I'd always do a slide deck, and I can't even tell you. I can probably count on one hand with my as a fist how many times I've actually read or even used the slides at all and just literally thrown the pointer down and just said, screw it, and just ad-libbed the whole thing. Um, so That's, yeah i'm getting to the point where i'm i'm looking to start talking in front of schools and i'm, I'm putting together slideshows and it's like I, I can't do this i can just catch a talk so, so sincerely if you put together that slideshow and you want to run it by me i can give you i'm I'm not the world's best public speaker but um, and my method is not for everybody because i will tell you that a, the best public speakers are well rehearsed and well well um prepared I am the exact opposite, and my success is a fluke, but I'd be happy to talk to you about that if you need. Um, yeah, no, I mean, the world, Dave, I'll definitely, um, I should hopefully have one put together by, by the end of summer to going into the next school year, because that's what we'll be talking to is, is students, so I will definitely take you up on that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, absolutely, throw it by me. Uh, I'd be happy to help you with that in any way that I can. But on that note, and on that segue, that was the last segue for this episode, people. On that note, (laughs) I bid you all farewell. Thank you very much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. This has been fantastic. And everybody, enjoy the rest of your ride, commute, or however you're listening. I do sincerely hope that whatever comes next is awesome. Thanks.